The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash totally. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, we're talking Zlatan, Pandev, Gignac and other oldies but goodies. We'll hear how Dortmund got stopped by a 55-year-old striker, uh, Freiburg manager Christian Stryker. Also, young players who will be stars this summer. There's Bayern in Doha, are Palmer going down, can Sevilla go top tier and why the league earn leaders are still ill but feeling better and better. All of that plus more messy rumours in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Honigstein, Horncastle, Romeo, Laurent. Yup, set palettes to sophisticate, and let's roll with another Totally Football Show European edition. Thank you so much for joining us. It is uh, Tuesday Checks Notes, the 9th of February, although, little secret, listener, we're actually doing this on Monday the 8th. Yeah, remember how times were then. Anyway, uh, I'm joined by my Euro pals, and it's great to have you all back together to talk about another busy weekend across ye continent. So much to discuss. Hey, Jules, how about Icardi's header? How on earth did he do that? Is he a header or is he a, a necker? A necker. Yeah, so for anyone who didn't see it, and it was Liga, so very few people won't have seen it, uh, oh my God. What actually happened? It's a cross from the right-hand side, Jimbo, and from Florenzi. And Icardi is just ahead of, uh, of Alvaro Gonzalez in, on the side of the box. And the ball comes in like mid-level, if you want. And then he, he, so he heads it back, but it looks like the ball bounces either on his neck or the top of his back to lob. Steph Mandanda so, and go almost the, the, the other corner behind this. Yeah, because see, the first time I thought he'd done a kind of chicharito on it, but he's actually he actually bows down to kind of scoop yeah. it backwards with the nape of his neck. And bizarrely, it finds the kind of far top corner. I just don't think, I really don't think Mandanda expected th- that, that kind of trajectory from the ball and, and even the ball to, to even pass Alvaro and it's his pretty remarkable goal you, you could say that Mandanda maybe is at fault but I think it, more you celebrate the, the just the idea and the creativity from Icardi to try it if if he hadn't gone in people would have said oh that, that the cross was not the greatest cross and he was a hard header but the fact that he went in is pretty exceptional I think he tried it from a corner kick earlier at the near post he tried to basically head in backwards yes and I think you know because Icardi is a penalty box poacher who only needs 10 touches a game. I think, you know, being around Mbappe and Neymar, he has to come up with a skill. And this is the Akadi skill. It's the it's the the necker or the backer or whatever it is. This Love is it. it, man. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, second goal in a big 2-0 win. Revenge for Les Parisiens over the Marseillaise, who, of course, have beaten them in the previous Classique uh, this season. But there you go. One of the standout moments. Let's, let's get a quick roundup before we get into detail on the weekend's news of the moments of the weekend around Europe with Paddy Power. James. Well, I would take one of the headlines from uh, Corio della Sera, James, which is like, modernity is overrated. Who needs it? Italian football certainly doesn't need it when they've got Zlatan, when they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, when they've got Goran Pandev um, still scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, Italy's still a country for old men and these guys. We saw Zlatan score his 500th and 501st club goals. Still got it, Jimbo. Still got it, much like yourself. Oh, thanks, man. How about <laughs> you, Alvaro? Has to be Papu Gomez scoring for Sevilla. I think that this is one of the big moments of the weekend. His first maiden goal in La Liga uh, in the win against Getafe for 3-0. So good for the Argentinian. Also Trincao scored the winner with the winning goal for Barcelona. And that was very important for a guy who has been under heavy scrutiny over the last weeks because he didn't offer the, the level that he was supposed to offer. And of course, I cannot forget about Rafael Varán scoring a brace to give the win to Real Madrid. Let's don't forget that uh, Rafael Barang has been heavily criticised uh, since uh, that game at the Etihad in summer because some say uh, 
wrong in my opinion that uh, without Sergio Ramos he's not the same type of defender but well this time he gave the three points for Real, to Real Madrid and Rafa uh, James the moment of the week was Köln celebrating with the corner flag in the stadium of Borussia Mönchengladbach they'd won the derby of the lower Rhine 2-1 and of course that iconic celebration a retribution or a sample, if you will, a quotation of Marcus Thuram's favourite way of celebrating, which of course happened when Köln were beaten by Gladbach in their own stadium when they met first time around. So a bit of payback time. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend, brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg, online exclusive, no shop bets, T's and C's apply, and plus be gambleaware.org. That's right, that is Eurovision winning Satellite by Lena from 2010. Uh, number one in Germany in May of that year when Freiburg were beating Borussia Dortmund for the last time before this weekend. Wow, but a 2-1 victory putting to an end that barren streak after 11 long years. Christian strikes Freiburg, unexpected kind of mid to high flyers in, in this Bundesliga, uh, consigning. Dortmund to their third defeat in four. Wow, Rafa. Yeah, wow, indeed. I mean, this is already eighth defeat for Dortmund, this league. Um, in this season, they are really in danger of missing out on the Champions League, which would be absolutely disastrous because financially, in this year, more than ever, they need the money uh, from UEFA. And it was another one of those Dortmund defeats where you just wonder, where's all the talent and where's all the quality? Why can't they bring that onto the pitch? Why don't players like Marco Royce show up? He was substituted with 60 minutes or so. Um, Yusuf Mukoko came on, scored the goals. Looked, the goal looked much more lively than all of the other Dortmund attackers combined. And just a sense that for all the slight positive momentum that they had under Edin Dzeko, um, not Dzeko, <laughs> under Edin Terzic, the interim coach, they're still making the same kind of mistakes. Defensively, they were shaky. Marvin Hitz conceded a really stupid goal. Yeah, the same question marks over Dortmund's mentality, their character, all these issues. And what was already a pretty underwhelming season could really be a, a bit of a sporting catastrophe if they miss out on the Champions League because that would probably have all sorts of repercussions um, for what they can and can't do in the transfer market. And if you want to read more about this, uh, James, oh, yep. I can point you to The Athletic where... On Tuesday, uh, there will be a piece on Dortmund's travails. Okay. Does it include uh, that wonderful uh, uh, Schmidt strike by Freiburg? The, I think the, the second of their goals. Wonderful is not the word I would use from a Dortmund perspective. Oh, okay. No. Um, well, just to give a bit of love to, to, to Freiburg before we move on to the kind of potential disaster and perhaps even clear out of big name players coming up uh, this summer. But uh, top stuff from Freiburg, no? No, Freiburg are, are amazing. I mean, it is difficult to understand what it is they're doing because their numbers are never really that impressive, but they tend to be so efficient and they do it with a team that player by player, you really struggle to to put anywhere near sort of the, the top half of the table. Um, every year, um, I and, and a few other stupid people think, okay, this might be the year where they might be relegated, but they... Every year they, they make make people like me look totally foolish and not just perform, but outperform their own ability. And Christian Streich is, is, is a bit of a genius in getting so much out of a squad that is pretty limited. Mm. Now, Dortmund, as you mentioned, having ticked that box, four points off the top four, currently lying sixth. They've got Gladbach right next to them, just ahead of Gladbach on goal difference. So Gladbach have a similar battle to try and get back into the Champions League places. 
I imagine that plenty of big clubs around Europe are, are kind of licking their lips at the prospect of Dortmund missing out on the Champions League millions and, and consequently maybe the likes of Haaland, Sancho, etc. being up for sale at reduced prices. Yeah, and I mean, Sancho is up for sale anyway. He was up for sale in the summer. The question was whether anyone could meet the asking price. I don't think that Dortmund have any illusions that he will stay for, for much longer. I think there is an expectation that he will leave if if the asking price can be met. I think it's not official, but there are some tentative signs that Dortmund might be prepared to accept a little bit less in recognition of the landscape in in, in the corona times. But what they, of course, don't want to do is lose both Sancho and Haaland in the same transfer window. Haaland has a release clause kicking in next summer, summer 2022. And it is not inconceivable that somebody might say, you know what, um, Dortmund, you missed out on the Champions League. Here's more money that you could get for for Haaland next year. Uh, Let's do the deal now. Uh, Dortmund, I think, will try everything possible, whether they're in the Champions League or not, to not make that happen. But there is a chance that perhaps one or two of the slightly less attractive, appealing names that they would have liked to keep, they will have to sell to just thin out the squad a little bit. So I don't think it's going to be sort of wholesale, suddenly everyone's available kind of breakdown of of the club, but it might just force them to be slightly more amenable when it comes to doing deals and... It's going to be very difficult if they really miss out on the Champions League. I think for the new coach coming in, and we all expect it to be Marco Rosa, to rebuild or to build on what he has in a Europa League campaign, I think it's going to be much more difficult. Raf, I mean, if Marco Rosa leads Gladbach into the Champions League, does that make him less inclined to go to a club that is then not in the Champions League? And if that were the case, I mean, Dortmund become a less appealing prospect for, for coaches. I would imagine it's certainly the caliber of coaches that they would like to attract if they're not in a competition that you know we've all become accustomed to seeing them in. Yeah, I mean it, it would have a, a reputational effect, a bad one, of course, for Dortmund. I don't think it'll be enough to change Rose's mind. I think if he agrees to go to Dortmund, and Christoph Biermann, who who knows more than me, says he thinks the deal isn't quite done yet, but Dortmund are very hopeful. If he does agree to go there for, I'm sure it's not going to be much less than a four-year contract. I don't think that one season will will change his mind. I think Dortmund, by way of income, stature, they are the number two in Germany and they should bounce back with better management. He'll see that as a challenge. If anything, you might say, you know, yes, it's difficult, but then you can definitely improve on what your predecessor or predecessors achieved because if you then take Dortmund back into the Champions League then you're already seen as a success whereas that would have been the minimum requirement uh, otherwise so I think it cuts both ways but yeah of course Dortmund need to be need to be in the Champions League if they if they do miss out then they have to get back as quickly as possible otherwise there is a more sort of medium term damage if you will of all the great progress that they've made in the last 10 years being scaled down again. And that's where things could get really, really difficult. Well, for now, it's RB Leipzig who are the number two team in the Bundesliga. Uh, they had a 3-0 victory at uh, Schalke uh, this weekend. Bayern also won. They were 1-0 winners at Hertha Berlin. Uh, then they headed off to Doha, uh, where they should have played by the time you hear this listener. Uh, they were up against Al-Ali uh, Monday at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, that's in the semi-final of the Club World Cup. The trip was a little bit, well... Uncomfortable, Rafa. Delayed. Mm, they had to sleep on the plane on Friday night. Yes, James. It was either a case of German punctuality being taken to its absolute limits or a conspiracy, as uh, Karl-Heinz Rummeninger has alleged. He said, somebody doesn't like us. We feel as if we've been screwed over uh, here because what happened was that the plane was ready to take off either a minute before midnight, that's Bayern's version, or, as the official uh, flight control has reported, three minutes past midnight, when, of course, the night flight ban kicks in and no exception was made for Bayern. So they were made to wait on the plane until 10 to 7 and then they had to fly via Munich to change the crew before they could again then um, fly on to Doha. So they sort of missed most of, of Saturday 
being being stuck on that plane. And um, as you can imagine, the Bayern bosses very, very unhappy. Although, you know, they are sponsored by Qatar Airways. So maybe the message that it was very, very uncomfortable for those seven hours uh, on the plane is, is not one they want to push too hard. Perhaps not. If they get through their semi-final or if they have got through their semi-final against Al-Ali, they'll be taking on Tigres, who beat South American champions, freshly crowned South American champions, Palmeiras in their semi-final at the Education City Stadium in Doha. Uh, This game coming up on Thursday, Tigres against Al-Ali or Bayern. Tigres, Jules, featuring... Big Mike for Gignac. We oui. incredible. I mean, he's been fantastic for them uh, since since uh, leaving France and Marseille to go to to Mexico. Uh, there was a debate on ESPN the other night that he's probably the the greatest foreign import that Mexican football, or certainly the Mexican Mexican league, has ever seen. Uh, and I think he speaks volume. Who who are the other contenders uh, that, on that, Jules? I mean, you've got many Brazilians who've played there. Right, Butragueño played there. Okay. Or Mitchell. Played there. Yeah. Pep Guardiola played there. Yeah. You know, there's there's plenty who played there. Plenty of finals played there. But certainly the impact that he's had, and it's not so much the, the goals, it's how much he's, he's integrated to the whole life there. You know, I think he's uh, it's it's pretty remarkable for someone, especially someone who didn't speak a word of Spanish before, to arrive in a country like this, so far from home, and 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 has made his has made it his home and i think they they love that about him he's very happy there he's not getting any younger but if he was to to be by and all al hali to win the club world cup for tigres i think he'd be forever mm. the absolute god over there yeah and is is it now t- and score and score 20 goals a season right and james uh, one thing uh, regarding uh, tigres i mean yesterday mm-hmm. in social media i could read a lot of uh, People from South America taking offense from the victory of the Mexicans uh, because uh, there is this uh, rivalry between Mexico and South America nowadays about uh, where can you find the best, the best football in the continent. And uh, the truth is that Mexican football is uh, little by little uh, importing a lot of talent from South America as well. Um, so it's the richest football in the continent all that all together with the United States football and that has to be said and so those South Americans took the wrong probably that uh, a Mexican club had beaten a South American club for the first time in years mm, but not an upset Alvaro well I don't know if it's an upset or not uh, but I I do believe that this is a tendency that will repeat more often from now on uh, because uh, there is a lot of money in Mexico and in Mexican football okay well Tigres are waiting then perhaps by an uh, on Thursday, or Al Ali. As for Taco for Gignac, or whatever he's going by these days, uh, he, okay, he is one. Uh, he is one of a, a bevy of kind of veterans uh, who've uh, really had a big. I mean, Tom Brady in the NFL, of course. Ibra, what's Ibra now? Thirty nine. James, scoring his five hundred. He turns forty later this year. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he he clocked up uh, a brace to take it to five hundred and one goals in his club career. You also had. Cristiano, who's, what, 37 now scoring? And Goran Pandev as well. Wow, what a blast from the past with a brace to put Napoli in trouble. Yeah, another defeat for Rino Gattuso. Big week for him coming up. They've got the second leg of the Cup semi-final against Atalanta and then they play Juventus. But caught cold uh, by this Genoa side, which has the second best record in the league under Davide Balladini um, since he came back for, what, a fourth spell at the club his reputation is all about uh, rescuing Genoa and then them sacking him ungratefully um, either at the start of their following season and then needing to go back to him uh, at some stage but Pandev with two uh, great finishes uh, remember he he's qualified North Macedonia for the European Championships with his goals against uh, Georgia as well uh, which you know for, for that country those goals uh, make him you know, as important to their football history as say Messi is to to, to Argentina or something like that, um, and he's he's going to retire after the European Championship. You know, after the game on on Saturday night, he said, you know, he isn't going to change his mind. That uh, you know, he's, he wants to play the Euros and then that's it. And then Balladini said, well, uh, he's afraid of me, um, so maybe I can scare him into staying on. Wow, um, so that'd we'll, be amazing. We'll have to see. He's only 37. I reckon he's got some only, seasons yeah. left in him. You know, he is the last living link to the Football Italia years, the last player who was is active. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, no way. He, yeah, he was already at Inter 
when Channel Four were, were, were doing Football uh, Italia. Surely Buffon is no. Oh yeah, Buffon and that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the play, but players, outfield players, outfield players. players yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, he, he featured in 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 Mourinho's treble. Uh, then scientists managed to break his DNA out of amber and then and bring him back to to Genoa and. Uh, and he's running around yeah. scaring Life people. Life finds a way. <laughs> it really does in Syria. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, there you go. Anyway, that, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, old people, they still have much to contribute. Jules. Vittorino Hilton in France, who is 43 and played this weekend his 500th Liga match. This one with Montpellier. An incredible career, really. 43, still playing centre-back. is really amazing. And of course, Joaquin James, uh, who plays for Betis. And last season, he scored his first ever hat-trick against Athletic Club Bilbao. I mean, he couldn't have chosen a better club. Right. How old is he? Uh, he was born in 1981, so I'm guessing that he's 39 years old. Oh, OK, yeah. Because Kazumura is, is, is the kind of gold standard in terms of... Yeah, he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Uh, the old goat, actually. The old goat, yeah. Right. I mean, it's nice, isn't it, uh, to have to have these guys still out there, still doing it. And it's obviously a triumph of, you know, sports science that they've still got something to contribute. But perhaps even more exciting is when you've got young players breaking through. And it's been a big weekend for that, uh, of course, as well. Not not just in Europe, but in the Premier League, uh, too, with uh, Phil Foden's tremendous performance at Anfield. Anyway, we'll talk more about young players later on, but also uh, City and News... A big week this for Juventus, James. Beating Roma, moving up to third, and this evening hosting Inter in the Coppa Italia semi-finals with a 2-1 lead from Milan. Yeah, although Romelu Lukaku's back, uh, Hakimi's back, they missed the first leg, so it's a full strength uh, Inter side, although I think Vidal actually suspended, which um, probably helps their prospects, given Zidal, uh, Vidal tends to get sent off or give penalties away. Um, but uh, Juventus have won every single game in 2021, apart from the Debut d'Italia in the league, uh, where Inter outclassed them. Last week's first leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final was a bit of revenge. Um, and there's a real feeling that Pirlo's growing as a manager. He was asked, you know, how have you grown over the last six months, Andrea? And he said, well, I'm still the same height as ever. Huh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it was it was mainly to do with the the approach that they played uh, against Roma in the two 0 win at the weekend, where you know everyone seemed to pour over uh, Pirlo's thesis, you know, when he when he which he had to submit when he was getting his Europa Pro license just a few days after the start of the season, and it was all about high lines, pressing, and interchanging positions, and instead. You know, since Chiellini's been back, he's like, you know what, let's defend deep. Uh, let's hit teams on the break. And, uh, you know, even if we only have three chances, Ronaldo will score two of them. Um, and it's and it's working for them. So, um, yeah, they're keeping clean sheets. They're putting these winning streaks together. And uh, all of a sudden, um, Juventus look like they're, they're right in the thick of it again. That, that's a bit more Allegri style than the Pierlo style that we were sold at the start of the season, right? It is, but I think he's had to adapt because certainly after that uh, 3-0 defeat to Fiorentina um, at the end of 2020, um, it was it was change or you're going to be the one who's changed, so, so to speak, um, in that they, 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 I doubt they would have considered a managerial change at that point. But I think in order to keep Juventus competitive, get them back into the title race, He's had to adapt, and you know he says it's going to be a game by game basis. You know, against the smaller sides, he will stay true to some of the principles that we we saw at the start of the season. But yeah, Jules, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you compare the two games against Roma, they got picked apart and were lucky to draw the first game in Rome because they played this high line and this press, and Roma just sat back and counted and counted and counted. And they did the opposite this time. They used kind of Roma's tactics against them and it really worked. So to see this kind of flexibility uh, from from Pirlo is is very promising if you're a Juventus fan. And, and also I think Chiellini's return has just been absolutely massive. I mean, he's, he's hardly played for 18 months um, and now he's back. They, they're keeping clean sheets. They're celebrating blocks and goal line clearances as if they were goals again. Um, and it just it does feel like they've they've got back what they were kind of losing um, since since Allegri, which is that solidity. So your prediction for Tuesday night, James? Well, at the moment, I think it's it's difficult to see Juventus 
losing the advantage that they 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 gave themselves in the first leg um, because they've shown themselves able to to stop teams. Now it's going to be a different interside with with Lukaku in it into themselves in very good form. I think it's it's kind of interesting now. It feels like the first half of the season was kind of pre-season in that it took these two teams a while to figure it out. They obviously had injuries and COVID and now they've they've got more or less their their full strength um, squads back and they're they're keeping clean sheets, their best players are performing. Um, I think, you know, looking into this game, the, the, one of the big narratives from the weekend was Nicola Barella, who continues to have an outstanding season, the best Italian midfield player, although it was a very good uh, weekend for Italian midfielders. If you think Jorginho scored another penalty, he's back in the Chelsea side. You think of Verratti's performance again, uh, for PSG as well. Uh, I think Roberto Mancini's got a lot to smile about. But yeah, just a complete total performance from, from Barella. Not only scoring a goal from outside the box, Dragovski made a huge save from him early, early on in the game against Fiorentina. Um, he set up a couple of chances for his teammates. Um, it, it kind of takes the pressure off Lukaku um, when you've got a player like that who can, who can score and create in, 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 the, in the way that Barella is at the moment. So it's going to be a really, really competitive game, I think. Mm. Meanwhile, the other semi-final clashes between Atalanta and Napoli, who drew nil-nil their game last week uh, down in Naples. We'll talk about that and some of the ongoing problems for Napoli and also prospects for Parma next. Now, sir, remember, a tattoo is permanent, so tell me one more time what you want. Uh, well, I want Bruno Fernandes knocking a liver bird off its perch with a free kick, with Ollie as a kind of, like, god in the sky. Oh, and Champions 2021 on top as well. I can't see anything going wrong there, Man United fan. But if things don't go exactly as expected, Paddy Power's Acker Insurance gets you a free bet if one leg of your 4-plus fold Acker lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, min odds 1-5 to five on each leg. Online exclusive, excludes shop bets, excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply, 18-plus, begamonaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Wednesday in the Coppa Italia, Atalanta taking on Napoli. Oof. Napoli, where Gattuso is under pressure, as we mentioned before, and results aren't helping. Beaten, as we mentioned earlier, 2-1 this weekend by Goran Pandev and his Genoa teammate, teammates. Uh, Monday's Gazette says two games for Gattuso to save his job, or it's probably going to be Rafa... Benitez, so those two games being Atalanta midweek and then, oh my word, what's coming up this weekend? Juventus. So Atalanta, first of all, in the Coppa Italia semi-final, they're without Papu Gomez uh, these days and uh, we'll hear from Alvaro very shortly how he's getting on. Uh, Atalanta who had a remarkable 3-3 draw with Torino at the weekend. Yeah, they were 3-0 up. Yeah, I mean, they scored, I think, three goals in the space of, well, seven minutes was it at some stage I mean it was quite remarkable it looked like it was going to be a repeat of one of the games between them last year when uh, Atalanta won uh, by seven seven goals um, and then at the end of the first half just really compromised things they stopped playing and Torino were able to get back into the game yeah again Atalanta their own worst enemy gave a silly penalty away which they, they, they it was avoidable um, and then there was that scramble incredible thing where you saw Belotti have, try a bicycle kick. Zaza tried to try to scissor kick. They hit the bar and they still managed to scramble at home. And then I think Atalanta faded second half. And yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons for that is they played in the cup in the week. Um, they were late back from Naples. They were without some players. Um, and I think their focus really is on this game. Um, yeah, against Napoli in Bergamo because yeah, Atlanta reached the Coppa Italia final the season before last. They lost to Lazio. I think there's a real feeling that they want to mark this period under Gasparini with a trophy. They want to win something. It's not necessarily just enough to keep getting back into the Champions League or keep getting into the knockout stages of the Champions League. They want something to show for it. So I think it's understandable that their mind, certainly second half, was kind of on this game and that allowed Torino, uh, Torino back in. But there have been some ups and downs since Papu left. You know, they're, they're, in some in some games they've looked back to the, their old selves. They've scored lots of goals. You think about the, the game against Milan at San Siro where they're absolutely fantastic. Um, they've looked like they stopped conceding. And then you've got games like this where they make some of the same mistakes um, that, that cost them earlier in the week, so earlier in the season. So it's interesting. I think this weekend feels quite pivotal really in the title race because it's gone from being a six or seven 
uh, horse race to maybe one that's between three or four. Uh, we'll get to Lazio maybe a little bit later because Lazio on this incredible run at the moment, six straight wins. But with um, Atalanta, Roma and Napoli losing, all of a sudden that title race is thinning out a little bit and it's becoming more and more about Milan, Inter, Juventus and possibly Lazio. Possibly Lazio and Napoli not in that picture. Gattuso's prospects, as I say, not looking particularly good with Atlanta midweek and then Juve at the weekend. Uh, also not looking good at the moment, Palmer down in the bottom three, a 3-0 loss to Bologna at the weekend. They've got the worst attack in Syria, but they bolstered it this week by bringing back Graziano Pelé from Shandong. Yep. Uh, I mentioned Zaza. I've mentioned now Pelé. I mean, mm-hmm. these will bring yeah. back fond memories Roberto for, for, for no, Rafa Honigstein. Pelé's uh, an Italy legend. Nine goals in 20 appearances. But sure, do that on one penalty and that's all they'll ever talk about. <laughs> yeah, Rafa, you remember Graziano in- Pelé. I was there when he did his little um, chicken run-up. Well, no, Zaza no, was the was, chicken runner. No, Zaza. Yeah. Pelé is Pelé. the one where he tries to psych out Manuel Neuer and, hmm. you know, with predictably hilarious consequences. Graziano Pelé che inizia la sua rincorsa. Graziano Pelé, poco fuori dall'aria. Un saltello. Poi la rincorsa. Parte il tiro. Fuori. Malissimo. Malissimo. Graziano Pelé. Il rigore è... Rafa, do you, do you remember it now? He's, so, he, basically, he goes up after the Zaza uh, chicken run penalty. And he points to the corner. He he points. He looks at Neuer and he points to the corner like, I'm going to put it over there. And then he does a little diving mime with his hands as if to say, what, what does he mean by that? I don't know. Probably he didn't know either. He's going to dink him. He's going to penenka him. Oh, he's going to dink him. That's what he means. And uh, uh. instead he fooled everybody by just putting it wide. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a balmy night in Bordeaux. I remember nice. it well. Yeah. Finally, Pelé was excellent against Spain in the quarterfinal round. He was. Or last 16, last 16. Yeah, he, he was. But the thing is, I mean, he's been the highest paid Italian player uh, for the last, well, ever since then, the last four and a half years. Highest paid Italian player, just just absolutely just taking taking all this money home from China. Um, yeah, good on him. Good on him, Graziano, for maximizing his earning abilities. That was brilliant. Is, is he going to make much difference, do you think, at, at Palmer? And how much trouble are they in? Palmer in a lot of trouble. Um, I mean, second bottom. I mean, again, I, we were talking about how the, the title race kind of thinned out. I think it's true of uh, the other end of the table as well because uh, Genoa keep winning. Udinese won. Um, Torino got a point when they were 3-0 down. That's going to kind of have a transformative effect on their psychology, I think. Also, and they're unbeaten under their new manager, no? Davide Nicola. Yeah. Yeah, who's, who's kept Crotone up, who's kept Genoa up in the past. So he's got a track record of doing these sort of things. I think what we've seen over the course of uh, of the last six months is that uh, Dejan Kulusevski, last year's uh, Young Player of the Year, um, was was responsible for a large part of, of Palmer staying up uh, last season under Diversa. Diversa's come back after, after leaving and uh, you know has some of the same team. But the thing is, We've all seen this with Italian managers. You get a new Italian manager in, they kind of, uh, they work with what they had at the start of preseason um, and they stick with it. And so if you make signings late in the transfer window, they're like, ah, yeah, these guys need time. They need time. And so Fabio Liverani, the, the coach at the start of the season, he was like that with a lot of the new signings that came in under the new owner, Carl Kraus. And I think it's the same now with Diversa. They've made a lot of new signings in, in uh, at the end of the January transfer window. Do all of them make sense in terms of how the team is set up under Diversa? He's a counter-attacking coach. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sold on that. I think some of the players they've signed are exciting, like Joshua Zerkse from uh, from Bayern, for example. But uh, is it going to be enough given the position that they're in? They really need to start uh, winning games and scoring goals because if not, it looks like uh, dear old Palmer, who you know so many people are, yeah, th- think of them as their second or third team. Probably Jules's fifth or sixth team. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, Easy. Uh, it looks like they're, they're, they're at real risk of going down. Palmer born and bred. Yeah, indeed. Well, <laughs> should There's we? plenty. Yeah. All right, well, still to come in this totally football show, James will try and talk about Lazio. We'll hear about Sevilla and Papu's new life down there in Andalusia. And uh, we'll also, of course, talk about 
Ligue 1. But next up, Alvaro, let's talk about some youngsters. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Colin at Soft Soy Boy says, "What players that the average listener may not be aware of?" I don't think we have any average listeners, Colin, by the way. But anyway, are going to provide the best value in the inevitable Ligue 1 summer sale this year. Would be good to hear a few names and maybe even which clubs they'd suit. Ooh, Jules. Yeah, I think that there would be a, a few. I think one that sprang to mind simply because there was a lot of um, negotiation around him in, in January was was Simacan from Strasbourg, who unfortunately for him got a bad knee injury. Not bad injury, but got a knee injury that I think made made him stay in France, but certainly between Milan and, and Leipzig, and it looks more like, like, like Leipzig, would get a really good deal with him because he'd be quite cheap, I think, around the 20 million euro, about 15, probably 15 with some bonuses. And he's only 20 and he's going to be a, an incredible player. So players like Simacan, who maybe for for your average fan around Europe don't don't really know about from France, he, yeah, those kind of players would be very good and, and I think would be quite wanted in a summer where you will be looking for bargains and really good deals because because you won't have much money. Jules, what about the kids at Lens, like Loic Badet? Yeah, Badet is really good. Another centre-back. I mean, you know French, French Academy. So good, he's Badet. He's bad, he's Badet. And and we've, we've been very good at producing centre-backs lately and he's another one coming from second division as well, but he's been really good. And and even in in Lens, they don't expect him to to stick around for too long. To stay there too long, yeah. Sorry, anyway. Too long. Right. So okay. So there's a couple of names for you, uh, Colin. I've got a question though. Uh, which are the, the also the summer, uh, presumably, and, and fingers crossed, it's the Euros. Which are the young players? Maybe the ones that we're not entirely, or at least the tabloids haven't quite caught onto yet, who are going to light up that that tournament. Alvaro, have you got someone in mind? Well, it has to be Phil Foden, Jadon Sancho, but we, our audience knows about them very well. Right, I was thinking uh, someone from La Liga. Yes, yes, uh, I'm going for that as well. Uh, I think that uh, it's a real shame that Ansu Fati uh, had the injury and apparently it's going to take him a bit long time to recover from it, more than expected, but I think that otherwise Ansu Fati will be that man. And uh, Spanish midfielder Pedri, he plays for Barcelona, he's uh, still 18 years old, he will end up making it to the Spanish squad, I believe, because uh, if you play for Barcelona and if you are a regular starter there, you cannot not be in the Spanish squad. And I think that this guy is going to make the headlines sooner or later because he's got uh, an ability that Phil Foden has as well. They are never uncomfortable in any part of the pitch, which is something that Iniesta had as well. You give them the, the ball in either box or uh, on the wing or in the central midfield and they are never uncomfortable with it they know what to do and this is a very specific characteristic of Pedri so I think that Pedri is going to be that player that maybe this summer will uh, make the headlines for Spain Okay, Rafa what about Germany where a fresh generation has been something they've been waiting for for a while is that, is that fair? Well they have a generation of players that are in theory, at the right age now to do something quite special. The Werners and Gnabrys and and Havertz as well. Um, it's the one below that's the big problem, where they seem to have um, seen a bit of a drying up of uh, new talent coming through, which is why they're thinking about making Jamal Musiala a full Germany international. He's already played with the Germany youth sides before playing with some of the uh, English youth teams. And there's a bit of a tug of war, James, one of those, the ones that you like a lot. Uh, a tug of love, is it? Um, no, but tug Different of war. Different kind of tugging, um, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, to see if he can maybe be made, uh, well, either German or, or English. And maybe he's got an outside chance of actually making it to the Euros for either side. 
Excellent. Any other players that have not quite registered beyond you know Bellingham's and the the, the Jurainas etc. from the Bundesliga? Uh, well, Jurainas American, so he's not going to make it to the Euros. Right. Um, no, do you know why? Because I was just thinking about young players, but that's a very yeah. fair point, Rafa. Yeah. Uh, where well, there's a French-born or probably Paris-born and bred, indeed, a young uh, player at Bayern, Tangi Nyanzu who they have great hopes for. Um, he wants to be called Nianzu now. And he's been injured a lot, but according to Ralf Rangnick, who has a good eye for French centre-backs, he thinks he could be world-class if he stays fit. So he might be one to keep an eye on. Although I think the French don't exactly have a um, a daft of talent in those positions. So that particular tournament might come a bit too early for him. And Rafael, is Danny Olmo regarded as one of the good uh, prospects in the Bundesliga too? Because kids are still 22 years old. Yeah, no longer maybe, you know, y- that young, but certainly certainly a player that's that's been playing well. I think if you want to add another one, Christopher Nkunku, um, mm. who is younger than Olmo and is beginning to s- score goals again, I think he offers something a little bit different. He's sort of a hybrid player, can can play on the wings, can play as a number 10 role, can play as a striker even. And I think he's slightly more exciting than Olmo. Olmo seems to be um, a player with big moments rather than big games. And um, he needs to make that next step and become a bit more dominant, I think, throughout games. All right. Jules, we heard about your Ligue 1 transfer prospects earlier, but... Any others that you want to flag up potentially uh, with a kind of impact at the Euros? Yeah, we've got a few. I think it's a bit early for for Ryan Cherky, who's who I don't think he's having the season that he thought he would he, he would have with with Lyon, considering that last season was a bit of a breakthrough for him. But we've got someone like Aurelien Chouameni at Monaco, who's doing an incredible job with Nico Kovac, who's improved so much uh, as as a sitting midfielder or holding midfielder or even a number eight sometimes who I think is quite close to the national team and Eduardo Camavinga of course who people know but yet still is only 18 so I suspect Camavinga will go to the Euros and might have his chance there for Chouameni he could still go um, but he still has to to be very very uh, productive between now and the end of the season to to convince Deschamps but certainly two of the, the most brightest young talent that we have Jules, you know what would make France win the Euros? A sure thing. Theo Hernandez? Why haven't you called up Theo Hernandez? What are you doing? Uh, what are you playing at? This I is know. crazy. It's the best left back in the world by I'm an absolute mile. I know. Really? I know. I'm doing my best. Is he the best I mean, left back in the world? Is he the best left-sided midfielder in, in the world? He's yeah, the best, he can't He's defend. the best left back in the world at the moment. This season, no, he's no very doubt. Good. He's very good. He's very good. And also with his brother already in the national team, it would be uh, you know it would be great for his integration for everything. As I suspect it will come, but but we've got very good left backs in France between Fernand Mendy and Luca Ding and Lucas Hernandez. who can also play. His own brother is preventing him from joining the national teams. You see, they it's a real shame that well with his brother. It's a shame that Zidane didn't make made the most of uh, Theo Hernandez because Theo was uh, excellent, especially when he came from Alaves. I mean he. He was, if this was pro-evolution, he would have the, the arrow looking up, upwards. I mean, he was uh, on a great run of form. But then uh, at Real Madrid, he never managed to succeed. I think it was a good time for Marcelo too. And uh, yeah, it's a real shame for Real Madrid that they lost this player. Hmm. James, I would ask about Italy, but it's just old guys there, isn't it? Yeah. No new names. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, there's some great under-23s there. Yeah. I mean, there's some fantastic players. Like, I mean, Hakimi's under-23. Um Bastoni, Kulusevsky, Flyovic, uh, Chiesa. How uh, old's Mandragora? Mandragora. He is, I think he's 24, 25. Now. Oh, is he? Okay, he's not in the picture. Yeah. Quagliarella? <laughs> <laughs> Sergio Flocari. Enough. Enough. I'm surprised. Di Natale. Di Natale. Barella's going to be the star of the Euros anyway, yeah? I think the way it's 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 panning out, yeah. I mean, as well, Manuel Locatelli. I mean, not not yeah, someone who is okay. a stranger to anyone who listens to to this podcast or or, or goes on YouTube saying you know, join Man City 2020-2021, Manuel Locatelli assists and passes. But um, you know, I think he he's been fantastic under under uh, Di Zerbi over the last couple of years. 
I think one of the, the younger Italians who's starting to really emerge is a guy called Emmanuel Vignato, plays for Bologna, um, winger, um, who made his debut a few years ago, I think when he was 16 or 17, at the, for Chievo, same time as Totti was coming on for Roma. And Totti said, um, do you fancy taking a few of my years? Uh, so I can, yes, I could still play on a little bit as I was a bit, you know, could go back in time. So Vignato starting to show a bit of promise there. But um, Italy have got... Italy is stacked in midfield. Stacked in midfield. It's 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 and they're they're all they're, they're all pretty young. I mean, the, I'd say the, the, one who's having the worst season is the one who's who's hyped the most, which is Sandro Tonali, who has not had a very good season at all. Mm. I'd say, Milan. Interesting. Well, plenty of, of time for us to look forward to the Euros, uh, which are due to be taking place, of course, in June. Uh, next up, though, let's catch on with a little bit more of this weekend's activities. Alvaro, La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Alvaro, Atletico Madrid play Monday night, but meantime, Barcelona and Real both lie seven points behind the Coltroneros, having played two games more than Diego Simeone's side. And one point behind Barcelona and Real are severe. Could we see one or both of them finish behind Los Nervionenses? Could be. I don't see why not... Um especially right now Real Madrid seems to be more shaky than Sevilla they struggled to beat Huesca the other day uh, Huesca had uh, a number of great chances to win that game mm. and uh, Thibaut Courtois or the crossbar prevented uh, Huesca from uh, winning that game but they uh, came within a Huesca <laughs> <laughs> exactly but, careless uh, Huesca <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, one, one thing that uh, has happened gradually, but uh, I think that it's already consolidated, is that Spanish top four. I mean, the same top four that we had last season at the end of the campaign, uh, it's basically topping the first uh, four spots in La Liga. And I find it very difficult that Villarreal is going to cut the deficit with Sevilla. Villarreal is fifth with 36 points. Sevilla is fourth with 42 points and uh, a game in hand, in hand. So I think that this is going to be the top four in Spain. These are definitely the best Spanish uh, teams. That's why they are in the Champions League. And uh, I believe that Atletico de Madrid... Uh, is going to win the, the title because they still have a, a lot of advantage. Uh, and Barcelona, for example, is funny because they, they have uh, gotten 29 points out of the last 33, which in any other league would mean that you are uh, taking the leadership and topping the table, but it doesn't happen in La Liga. Um, so yeah, it's a bit frustrating for Barcelona, I guess, but they are definitely in a better place than they were a, a month ago. So yeah, this is more or less La Liga's landscape at the top of the table now. Okay, Sevilla, as I say, just one point behind following this uh, 3-0 win at the weekend against Getafe, which featured Papu Gomez's first goal uh, for the club. How's he fitting in there? Uh, He's fitting in well. He played in the cup a little bit. Uh, I think that he was uh, lucky that uh, Getafe played uh, pretty much the whole game with 10 men because... uh, Yene Nekunam was sent off for a terrible challenge on Lucas Ocampo's ankle. In fact, the Argentinian player is going to miss up to five weeks and he's going to miss definitely the first leg of the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund. So this uh, was news on Monday. And yeah, um, that uh, ended up in a boost-up between uh, Bordalas, uh, Getafe manager and Lopetegui. Both were sent off. And yeah, Papu Gómez in the second half, uh, he scored the second goal of Sevilla and I think that uh, he had a lot of space to shoot from uh, outside the box and that was down to the fact that Getafe was down to to 10 man but yeah his uh, adaptation seems to be quick he wanted to play for Sevilla he's fit enough to play for Sevilla and uh, he fitted in a in a very uh, good team where things are working you know Uh, there are many many fuses in there that uh, don't even have to be touched because uh, everything seems to be work like a machine and uh, that's a great news for Papu Gómez because he didn't, go to, he didn't go to a dysfunctional team. So this is a good moment for Sevilla. Uh, I think that uh, the Copa del Rey class against Barcelona, double leg 
uh, is going to give Barcelona and Sevilla a proper test ahead of the Champions League. And uh, I would say this again. I think that the four teams top in La Liga right now, they are the four best teams in Spain. And uh, they are all of them more or less in a good moment. Perhaps Real Madrid is faltering a little bit more, but finally they managed to get a win this weekend. Okay, uh, so that game with Barcelona, Sevilla, Barcelona, that's this Wednesday. Uh, and the that semi-finals of Copa del Rey, and then they face each other again in three weeks' time in the league. Uh, just on the subject of Real Madrid, where Zidane, as we mentioned before, was looking very shaky and getting pretty upset with the press when they reminded him of this uh, this last week. Uh, they are going to be without uh, Sergio Ramos for six weeks, and we all know what's hap- what happens to Real when, when he's not playing. Yeah, and without uh, Eden Hazard as well, because uh, that was strange. It happened last week. Uh, first of all, Real Madrid uh, sent an update uh, saying, I think that it was last uh, Wednesday, saying that uh, Eden Hazard had uh, muscle fatigue. And a day later, they corrected that statement and uh, they updated it. And they said that uh, he got an injury in his rectus femoris, basically, in his tight. So, yeah, he's going to miss uh, the next uh, three or four weeks as well. And this is an important miss as well for for the player. Okay. Not fatty, but fatigued. Ah, yes, exactly. Right. No, j- uh, just in case there was any doubt, you know. Anyway, there you go. Well, that's the situation in La Liga. Next up, massive news from France. Liga. I imagine that uh, post-Christmas, most PSG fans would have been all uh, nice to play at having a title race again, but we all know who's going to be top come season's end and let's now get this back in its proper order but are you beginning to get a little bit concerned at the uh, state of the league on table not concerned very excited but there's obviously a chance one chance out of four that PSG don't don't retain the title and don't right. don't win it because the other but teams do you really mean so that do you, do you think they're not yeah. going to win possibly Probably. Possibly, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I still think they're favourite to win and I think everybody, even in Lille and Monaco and, and Lyon would agree with that, that they're still favourite because they certainly have the best squad, but they're not the best team right now. They don't play the best football right now either. So it makes it even more interesting. Mm. Well, we mentioned before the uh, 2-0 win that PSG had in uh, Ligue 1 this last weekend in Le Classique and Bappe and Icardi scoring those goals. Any more fallout, by the way, uh, for uh, Olympique after that game and uh, this question from Simon Longlon who says is it safe to say what's happening at Marseille now is karma coming back to haunt Macron after he finished last season early <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure if it is but certainly it's been a heavy week as we as we said earlier uh, in Marseille between the, the fans attacking the ultras attacking the training ground AVB leaving the ship, basically, a sinking ship. Uh, all the, this criticism and protest against the uh, the president, Jacques-Henri Hero, who's still there, by the way, who's got no intention to resign. There were rumours, big rumours on Thursday and Friday that there was going to be a new takeover, that the club would be sold to uh, a Saudi prince, bringing a lot of money in, uh, which, again, has been uh, denied by Frank McCourt and his team. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, but it seems that right now, certainly, it's not any any anytime cl- uh, soon. And then this defeat, and as we said, the Alvaro injury, the Payet red card, it's, it's a real mess. And they haven't won nine six in the league. They're ninth in the table. They, they, there's, it's very unlikely that they can get top three and, and Champions League next season, which would be financially really, really hurting them. So it's not great. And we still don't know who's going to come as a manager. I think Jorge Sampaoli is the clear favourite now. And I think there's a lot of very positive signs that he will accept uh, and and come over, but yeah, it's not it's not a good time at the club at all. And and we were very excited about the, the classic, because the, the two classic already this season were great back in September, with all the controversy and all the drama and and the first Marseille win in eleven years. The one in the Super Cup in January was really good as well in terms of level, Pochettino's first trophy, etc. And this one was pretty dull, so it was a bit of a shame. Okay, uh, Andre Villas-Boas. By the way, if you missed this. Uh, resigning, offering his resignation and then told by the club he'd be suspended pending disciplinary proceedings in the middle of last week after uh, the club tried to bring him in uh, Olivia Encham from uh, Celtic. He was having none of that. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, so you've got Lille top. Uh, they won 2-0 at Nantes. Poor old Raymond Dominic still yet to win. Three defeats in his last four. They're thinking about sacking him now. And they've they've had a few uh, meetings with other managers like Bruno Genesio, the former Lyon manager, 
Right. And, and I mean, it would be how funny would it be? And you talked about karma earlier. If Raymond Domenech was to get sacked after not winning a single game, I don't know when that will happen or if if, if even it will happen. But it's certainly being talked right now in Nantes uh, inside the club, and and for him to be sacked without winning any single game would be pretty special. That happened to uh, Malisani when uh, <laughs> he replaced Di Francesco Sassuolo. I think he lost every game. He like lost six games and was then sacked. And it's never been seen again. Poor, poor Malisani. More, but but, but Lille were very good. So so Nantes, <laughs> in fairness, lost to the leaders. They, there's no you know Lille have won six you know six in a row away from home, which which only two teams have done in the history of the league. Not even PhD. They were Sedan back in the 30s and and Reims in the 50s. So. Six wins away from home in a row in the league is pretty special. So it's not there's no shame for not losing. It's just that it's, nothing is happening right now for Dominic and, and Lille were very strong. And, and Jonathan David is is back to his best like he was in Belgium and he, and he's he's pretty sensational right now. Okay, so they got a two point lead over Lyon, who uh, were winners. What was it three uh, 0 away? Uh, no, at home to Strasbourg, and then a point behind Lyon. You have Paris Saint Germain, but they're not far behind them. Are Monaco, who similarly. Um, what, what did you say the winning streak for Lille was? Six? So six away from home and Monaco... Oh, okay, have... away, right. Because Monaco are piling so up the victories. So in 2021, James, in the top five leagues, um, the three teams that have got the most points, Man City, 24 points, Monaco, 21 points, and Lazio, 19 points. They're the most informed teams in this calendar year. Guess we better talk about Lazio in a second. But, but first, a quick word about uh, Monaco, second on that list. A 4-3 win for them away at Nîmes, featuring a, vo- a winner from Kevin Volland and Alexander Golovin's hat-trick, as uh, yeah, Sasha was explaining on uh, Monday's pod. That's the first hat-trick by a Russian player abroad since, do you guys know when? Since... Uh, since uh, Arshavin. Arshavin against Liverpool. 4-4? No. no. Pop Gremniak for Fulham. Wow. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, my God. Pogrebniak. Yeah. I forgot right. he even existed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Monaco there with Niko Kovac. And they're, they're, they're just behind Paris Saint-Germain. No wonder you're looking so nervous at Jules. Yeah, the Golo show. I mean, considering he's been injured for most of the season and they and Kovac is very, very careful. I think he knows what a very talented uh, player he is. And, and really, if Monaco wants to, to push for this title, there's still six points behind behind Lille but they, they're certainly there in case someone drops points in that top three uh, and they will pounce because they're so good uh, and it's funny because Golovin scores two goals then there's a free kick and Fabregas is about to take the free kick and you can hear Kovac shouting from the touchline no 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 give it to Golo give it to Golo and, and Golovin sco- takes the free kick scores the free kick and after, after the game, Kovac said to, uh, in his press conference, you know, it's, the, the assist is my, it's a bit my assist because I, I had a feeling that Golovin would score that free kick. That's why I pushed for him to take it. And, and, and that was the right idea. And there's, there's not much that Kovac is doing wrong right now, and it's, even if they concede goals. But it's pretty impressive the way they play, the form they have. And if then the star player like Volan, like Ben Yedder, like Golovin, like Chouameni that we mentioned earlier, play, keep playing at this level, they will be there until the end for sure. All right. Well, Liga and City, our best title races in, in, in Europe. Uh, Big arguably. time. I'm just going to, well, before we get on to, to Lazio, and I think Alvaro, you want to pitch in something as well, just on the subject of Paris Saint-Germain, I wasn't going to mention Messi this week, Jules, but today's France football uh, has a picture of Leo Messi in a Paris Saint-Germain shirt on its front page with the headline, La carte secrète du PSG. <laughs> Yeah, the secret, is this why Neymar is staying? So it's how Neymar is, is doing his best to convince Messi to come, to convince the club to sign him. Uh, France Football have details of how financially they could make this work. Ronald Koeman and Barcelona certainly won't be happy with all this first being made in France, players talking about Messi, because obviously Barcelona, Barcelona never do that. Of course, they never do. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah, the summer 2019 when they wanted Neymar so badly to come back. I think they're pretty did worse than what PSG players are doing right now when they ask the question. But yeah, it seems that France football believe that this is something that gets they more, and more possible that? with time. Or do they believe that putting Messi on the front page, page sells copies? 
Yeah, a bit of both. But <laughs> okay, you know, you Alvaro, what do you believe? Uh, well, what I, what <laughs> I do believe is that there are some signs that tell you that Lionel Messi uh, has uh, strong contacts uh, over there for a reason. Di Maria said that uh, there were many possibilities that Messi was going to go to PSG as well. He said that literally last Wednesday, I believe. And uh, of course, Ronald Koeman, who is a person who is just arrived at Barcelona, and I do believe that uh, Ronald Koeman is uh, a genuine man. He said that he didn't like it at all uh, because you know he's. Uh, speaking his mind all the time and that is something that at the beginning was a bit baffling because he sounded like a, a blonde robot with no feelings but uh, at the same time it's becoming something very uh, very important for Barcelona that somebody with common sense because the board doesn't have common sense somebody with common sense like Ronald Koeman is saying uh, what many Barcelona fans are feeling that uh, it's not nice to talk about Lionel Messi's no, future on, all man. the time the same with Memphis Depay in the summer no one said anything nothing what are you talking about? Everybody does it. You ask a question, would you want to play with Messi? And you say, yes, of course I would love to play with Messi. He's my friend. Kuman did the same with Memphis Depay all summer with Lyon. And Lyon didn't say anything. It's the same for every club. If you ask the question, and Pochettino is very careful in saying like, I don't want to talk about any other players. You know, it's Messi. And of course, all the big players, you would want to work with all the big players. But if you ask the questions every week, there's a point where you're going to say, yeah, I like him. Like Kuman did with the pie. Which no, is this the, is different. Or this Eric Garcia. This is different because Kuman, Kuman asked for Memphis Depay. So we know exactly what he wants. That's why I'm saying that he speaks his mind no. out. Memphis Depay he, is under contract at Lyon. Ronald yeah. Koeman came on publicly and said, I want Memphis Depay to come to Barcelona. What's the difference between that and Angel Di Maria saying, I would like to play with Messi in Paris? What's Koeman the difference? is the manager. Koeman said that he wanted Memphis and he asked for Memphis. Yeah. But Barcelona but didn't the have the money. But he wanted the yeah, player and PSG he asked players for players and Pochettino want Messi in Paris. So, and Lyon never said to Koeman, stop talking about Memphis Depay. Hmm. I think it's yeah, different. I, what's the difference? There's no difference. It's exactly the so, same. But I, I, I kind of, I mean, it, it, I kind of agree with what Jules saying there, Alvaro. It, it seems a bit rich for Kuman to complain about another club talking about trying to get hold of his player when when he's done that himself in the past by Memphis Depay. But, but um, it, was this why uh, Messi wasn't starting this weekend for Barca? No, not not at all, not at all. Uh, Kuman is uh, giving Messi a lot of rest this season because uh, he. He's 34 years old and obviously he's not as strong as he was before and uh, it's working. That's the thing that uh, very few managers have been able to convince Messi of this and uh, he played, Messi play, played uh, a lot of time uh, in the Spanish Cup against Granada. Uh, Barcelona managed to get a remontada and to qualify for the semifinals. And uh, against Betis, he played only the second half, but he had an impact uh, from the beginning. He scored the goal, he took part in the build-up of uh, another Barcelona goal. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, there is no punishment on Messi or anything like that. I mean, there is an acknowledgement that this is the best player in Barcelona. And uh, he's proving it. I mean, maybe he's not scoring... Um, in the same levels that the previous seasons, but uh, his game has been excellent and against Granada. Barcelona wouldn't have won uh, without him for sure because he, he was the leader in the team. Mm, okay. Came on, as you say, this weekend against Betis and scored, I think, within three minutes of, of making his appearance. Well, there you go. So that's what France football are talking about uh, aujourd'hui. And we'll see whether history, uh, whether history judges that headline kindly. Uh, to finish off, though, today... James, how about you tell us all about why Lazio's current run is the real thing and not one of those kind of decent <laughs> stretches they've had before, before collapsing and then et cetera and so on? Well, it remains to be seen how long it lasts because I think one of the main factors behind it is that they are not in the Champions League um, and they're not having to put up with that crazy uh, testing regime that they were going on with, you know, where they had the guys mm. in Avellino who were doing their tests. In and there was Sinlab doing <laughs> UEFA's tests and they were ruling out all these players. And Inzaghi was like, who can I count on to be in my team? I have to uh, basically put a squad together with all these guys who don't even have Wikipedia pages. And, you know, maybe even one of them is uh, is the great grandson of Mussolini. That was another story ah, of, uh, yes. of, 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 <laughs> of the week. But uh, no, I mean, I, I think because they can... Uh, rest and recover from you know one game to another uh, over the course of a week and uh, properly sort of game plan yeah that's when you see the best Lazio it was, that's what what happened um, when they went out of the Europa League and they went out of the cup early last season they went on that incredible run and they're doing it again now and you hear Chiro Mobile saying it is the uh, Lazio back to their old best 
yeah, they have in some respects kind of plugged some of the gaps that were exposed when they came out of lockdown last year, when they were neck and neck with Juventus and probably the most informed team in Serie A going into the into the kind of pandemic enforced break. And then it all fell apart from them because they're having to play every three days and they didn't have the squad for that. And you know what? You have to say that, you know, we've mentioned Ronaldo scoring goals for, for Juventus, Latan scoring goals for Milan, Lukaku for Inter. Um, you know, the only other team that has a real kind of certainty up front at the moment is Immobile with you know, Lazio. Immobile keeps scoring 14 goals this season, 19 in all competitions. He seems to have reached a complete other level in terms of maturity after after winning a golden boot. And and then you, I, I, it's weird saying this, but Pepe Reina's had a very good season. He was supposed to come in and just be a backup keeper for um, for Strakosha. Then Strakosha got covid it took him a long time to get back. And in the meantime, Pepe Reina comes in and now Pepe Reina is like playmaking from the back. I mean, he practically assisted two of their goals in the win against Atalanta. So um, yeah, for now, things are coming together and we'll have to see James because at the weekend they play Inter. So if they, if they, if they do something in that, then maybe we can again have another conversation next Tuesday about Lazio and their title chances. As it stands... They're neck and neck with Roma. Roma just in the top four on goal difference, but their neighbours and arch rivals lying level with them on points in fifth. Crikey. All right, we're looking forward to hearing how that goes in next week's show. Uh, Hope you guys all have a terrific week. Rafa, if Bayern have qualified for the final on Thursday, good luck against Tigres. And uh, Big Mac for Thank you. I'll pass it on to them. They'll be very happy to hear that, James. Excellent. There you go. We're rooting. <laughs> rooting. And uh, yeah, that's it then, listener, for today's Totally Football Show European edition. Thanks to Rafa and Jules and James and Alvar and special guest producer Ben. And you, listener, have a terrific week. And we'll catch up with you next time. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.